HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello, this is Lisa Held, and you're listening to Behind the Label with American Humane, produced by Heritage Radio Network for Springer Mountain Farms. This is the fifth episode of a podcast series that dives into what the American Humane Certified Label means and how Springer Mountain Farms specifically applies the label standard to raising healthy, happy chickens in the hills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. With me today is Connor Reynolds, Senior Field Operations Manager at American Humane. Connor, thank you so much for joining me. Great. Thanks so much, Lisa. So today's episode is going to be all about answering frequently asked questions. So the questions about American Humane Certified that come up over and over among consumers when they hear about the certification or see the seal on their Springer Mountain Farms chicken at the grocery store. Um, I'm excited to tackle some of those those questions with you. And since you're going to be helping us address them, I thought a good place to start is to hear a little bit about what you do. So what does the position of Senior Field Operations Manager entail? Sure. So I sort of consider myself a liaison, I guess, between the certification program and the animal welfare standards and our certified producers. So I manage a group of our certified producers within the American Humane Farm Program, and I have two amazing colleagues who do the same sort of in their region of the country. Um, And we just are really the contact person for our producers when we get the audits ready each and every year and selecting their farms or ranches that need to be audited, uh, answering questions about our animal welfare standards or really anything they need or support from our program. Uh, We're really there to help them and and get everything up and running for not only their audits, but really any questions they have around animal welfare or our certification program uh, and its implementation for their specific company. So we're talking with them all the time, uh, specifically a lot during uh, their auditing period and when they're getting ready for that and preparing for those rigorous audits they have to do every year. Uh, But we're sort of their contact and their go-to for anything with the American Humane Farm Program and really any resources they might need from us. Yeah, it sounds like a really dynamic job. I mean, it sounds like you're really out in the field. Um, It is. Yeah. Were you always interested in um, working on animal welfare issues? Like, are you an animal lover? How did you get involved? Yeah. 
So I actually grew up in Southern California, so I did not have an agriculture background. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of agriculture in the state of California, but I uh, wasn't raised on a farm or ranch, but really loved animals and uh, actually was really interested in horses. And so kind of got my step into farm animals a little bit more through that. Uh, and then through college, I went to North Carolina State University and studied animal science, which is really all the uh, kind of hooved animals, including a little bit of domestic animals. So I really oh. got my introduction to uh, kind of animal agriculture production through college and was really specifically interested in animal welfare and sort of how that played into livestock and poultry production. So I think it started a little bit more in university and uh, I actually had the great opportunity to intern with American Humane after my junior year of college. And I think that really kind of jump-started my interest in animal welfare specifically and uh, kind of looking into really what this discipline was and how impactful it is for farmers and ranchers across the world, really. Yeah, and I'm sure having that animal science background is probably really, really useful in, in this role. It is, definitely, yeah. It helps with, you know, when producers feel like they are really supported and you understand you know, a little bit, obviously, I'm, I'm not a farmer myself, but being able to understand a little bit of the, you know, technicalities and things that they're dealing with, I think they really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, so let's talk about the questions that people have about the certification. So I, it seems to me that one of the most obvious common questions would be how American Humane Certified is different from other animal welfare certifications. Is that the most frequently asked question overall? I think it is. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different animal welfare organizations and uh, that are within the United States and also some that have an international impact. Uh, so I think people are curious to learn a little bit more about who American Humane is and what exactly we do. Um, and I think that's a really important point of clarification to kind of get that across because there are a little or there are a lot of different organizations out there with a lot of different focuses. Um, and mm -hmm. I think the thing that really stands out, I know our president and CEO, Dr. Robin Gansert, and our director of farm operations, Haley Grimes, spoke a little bit about this as well. But um, really the legacy and impact of American Humane in all different aspects of uh, animals within our lives and how they touch our lives is something that. I think really sets the American Humane Farm Program apart. It's not, you know, we love this program and we love animal agriculture and we're very proud of this program, but it's one piece of a really large global organization. I think that's something really different for, for us and for our organization. Right. And does the certification itself um, differ in a lot of ways from other animal welfare certifications? You know, there's different, there's a few different certification programs and some of the standards are very, very similar. Some are a little bit different. Um, I think something we pride ourselves on in the American Humane Farm Program is that everything that's within our audit tools is guided by our scientific advisory committee. And so mm. we do care about what consumers think and what they're interested in. But everything that's within our audit tools is really gui guided by the scientific uh, community. And so you know, even if something seems like it might be nice for animals or people think it may be nice, it actually may be detrimental to an animal's health or well-being. Um, and I think it just depends on sort of a certification program's focus and what they're geared towards. Uh, but at the American Humane Certified SEAL and our certification, uh, everything is guided by that science. And I think that's really, really important because we're 
really making sure and ensuring that the standards we're wanting farmers and ranchers to upheld is supported by science and research. Right. Yeah, that's a that's an important distinction, I think. So if if people are listening and they're thinking, okay, now I kind of understand how American Humane Certified is different, how do they distinguish on the actual label? Like, what does the logo look like? Yeah, so it says American Humane Certified. Um, It's sort of a yellow border. So it has sort of a yellow seal border. And then it has a red farm or red barn, I guess, on it. Uh, with a little sun and kind of a blue background. So the main colors you want to look for are that yellow and red and blue are sort of the primary colors of our logo. And it does say American Humane Certified. And then usually under it, it has our website URL. So you can go straight to Humane Heartland, uh, which is our website, humaneheartland.org. And everything's fully transparent there. All of our standards, our certified producers, our scientific advisory committee, it's all linked on that website and really easy to find. But definitely important, you know, there's a lot of packaging with humanely raised or, you know, animal welfare conscious or different things like Mm. that where there may just be a claim but no actual seal. So you really want to make sure you're looking for that American humane certified seal uh, when you're in your local grocery store. And another thing you told me that people are often curious about is whether American Humane completes the audits of its farms on its own. And I thought that was really interesting that that's a common question. We talked we talked about the audit process on past episodes with Haley Grimes in episode two, and also with Ken Martin, uh, Springer Mountain Farms broiler manager in the last episode, but. I think that's really interesting that people are curious about that. Why do you think that that is a common question? Sure. I think people that are kind of wondering about this process and maybe a little bit skeptical even of uh, certification seals or auditing programs, they really want to make sure that it's transparent and that both parties are being really honest. Um, And so American Humane does not send out our own employees to do the audits. Uh, We sometimes will travel out with the auditor and shadow the audit just to make sure that we feel confident in how the auditor is auditing to the animal welfare standard. Um, And it's also, that's one of my favorite parts of my job is getting out to visit my certified producers and being able to visit their farms and see their animals and talk with their growers. That's the ultimate favorite part of my job is being able to be out there and be on farms. So we do try to visit as often as possible, um, but we will never complete the actual audit or fill out the audit tool. And I think that separation is really important in that American Humane is, you know, kind of leading and guiding the animal welfare audit tools and we manage those. And then having the auditor who's not associated with American Humane go out and actually audit to those tools. And those auditors are all well-trained and many of them have worked in animal agriculture um, in previous roles. So they're very experienced, very competent auditors. Uh, but I think that separation is really important and really resonates with consumers that American Humane doesn't own the certification program and also audits to our own standard. I think that separation of having a third party is is really, really crucial and really important and adds that additional layer of honesty and trust with consumers when they see our seal on a package in the grocery store. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but I guess, right, having a company do the audit that doesn't have necessarily a a stake in animal welfare, right? That is just following the standards by the book. Um, 
then it's kind of this added layer of they're just really there to check on those exact standards and and it you know adds another layer of checks and balances kind of right it does <laughs> yeah there's no yeah. real you know there's no skin in the game really for the auditors if the farm does really well in the audit or they do poorly you know that doesn't really impact the auditor and so they're just being a completely unbiased um, observer of that process and auditor to the animal welfare standards uh, versus somebody who maybe has a stake in it. So it really ensures that the exact reporting they're doing is exactly what they're seeing and witnessing. Yeah. So let's talk about chicken production in particular, since the series is focused on on chickens. Um one frequently asked question is, does American Humane certify eggs that come from caged hens? Sure. So we do not certify battery caged uh, laying hen production, which is what you're referring to. So anything, you know, battery hen production was something that was uh, more common, you know, a couple decades ago before this real cage-free push, probably everybody's seen either in the news or even in their grocery store, they're starting to see a lot more cage-free or free-range and pasture eggs being available. Um, so American Humane is never certified battery laying hemp production. And it was just something our scientific advisory committee really felt that there was not a lot of enrichments added for those animals. So those you know, hens were not really able to express their natural behaviors and able to nest or dust bathe or things that birds really like to do. And so as an organization, we were not comfortable certifying that type of production. So that's something that we've, we've never certified and haven't had any producers in that, that type of production in our program. Got it. And I I did want to note too, that, you know, I, I've come across confusion a lot where people um, are often don't understand the term cage-free overall. And they ask about broilers, about chickens raised for meat, like Springer Mountain Farms chicken being caged. Um, And, you know, in the U.S., broilers raised indoors are pretty much always loose in large barns. They were, cage systems were not a part of broiler production in the U.S., but I think that's often a a misunderstanding. Do you ever get that question? We do. Uh, I've had it a couple of times from consumers and I don't know if, like you said, maybe they're mixing up images they've seen in laying hen production and thinking those are meat chickens. Um, but definitely within the United States, broiler production is, is mostly within inside a barn. Uh, but those birds are free to move about the barn and they're on litter and substrate on the ground and they're not housed in cages. Uh, so I think some of that comes from, you know, consumers and most of the public is very detached from any type of agriculture nowadays. And um, most people aren't growing up on a farm or ranch or with parents or grandparents who were farmers. And so I think sometimes it's really easy. I even do this myself within other industries. I might see a photo of something and I kind of equate it to the whole industry or, you know, the whole discipline. And so I think sometimes when people are saying the, seeing those images of, you know, a bird in a cage, they might just associate it with both, you know, egg laying hens and meat producing chickens. But uh, that's definitely not true within the broiler industry. Those birds are running around all over the house and and having a good time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's a hard, there's a lot going on in food production. And um, it's hard for an average person who doesn't see it on a regular basis to kind of keep up with all these different systems and, and how people are doing things. So... 
So another frequently asked question about chicken production is, are all American Humane certified chickens antibiotic free? Yeah, so we definitely do have producers that do our program and a, you know, antibiotic free or no antibiotics ever program. That's not something that we mandate within our standards. So, you know, there's sort of the the meat consumption side where, you know, the government is really regulating that. So consumers can feel safe that they're not eating any meat products with any type of medications in them or antibiotics in them. There's a really strict withdrawal period, uh, different for every classification of antibiotic or medication that's used to make sure that that's completely out of the animal system before it's going into food production. Uh, So consumers should feel safe that they're eating safe and wholesome products when they're purchasing anything at their local market. Uh, But that's not something that we mandate within our program. Like I said, we definitely have producers that do that or produce uh, product that way. Uh, But we really feel like it's super important that if animals are sick, uh, that they're able to be treated with antibiotics and medications uh, when they need to be. And we actually have that within our standards, actually, that even if a producer adheres to a no antibiotics ever policy or antibiotic free claim, Uh, If animals are sick and they need to be treated, then they have to be treated and they can just be taken out of that uh, claim. So that meat wouldn't be able to be marketed as antibiotic free for its whole life. Uh, But we actually mandate that you can't withhold medications or antibiotics from animals just for the purpose of selling it for a specific claim. And, you know, we equate that to, you know, if your child was sick and and had a fever, had an infection, you know, you it's important to use antibiotics when needed uh, to make sure that they're healthy and they regain their strength. And so we see the same in any type of caring for animals. Uh, there's sort of a distinction with trying to use antibiotics as growth promotants and making an animal grow quicker or stronger or faster. And we don't allow that. So we do not allow antibiotics for the purpose of growth promotion or making an animal grow or be larger. Uh, but we definitely allow it and support it for making sure they're healthy and we're well cared for and um, are wanting to make sure that medications are not being withheld just so that, you know, somebody can put a seal on a claim. So that's something we we really don't believe that animals shouldn't be treated with medications when they need to be. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's an interesting perspective. I mean, you're really thinking about um, the the bird specifically about the welfare welfare of the animal. And, you know, I did want to just say that, you know, antibiotics, um, you kind of hinted at this, there's all these different reasons antibiotics are used in, in production, right? Um, to cure a sick animal is one, but a lot of the attention around antibiotics over the last few years has been around using widespread use for growth promotion, um, or blanket disease prevention. Um, but really over the past five to 10 years in poultry, the use of antibiotics and especially medically important ones has plummeted. It's almost completely gone. Um, So this, you know, it's probably, most producers probably at this point meet your standard for no antibiotics for growth promotion anyway, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, that's yeah, in poultry. Yeah, that's definitely correct. And, you know, there's been some changes to some of those policies. And so things have changed even within the last few years. But um, I think that is a really, you know, there's a lot of aspects around antibiotics. Um, but I think just the separation between treating a sick animal and then consumers being concerned about it being 
in the meat that they're eating, obviously those are kind of two different things, but I think really on the animal welfare side, which is what we're focused on at American Humane, making sure, you know, like I mentioned that those animals are being treated. And I have an 11 month old puppy that just got off antibiotics because he had a, a bad tummy for a few days and he was miserable and didn't want to eat. And it made me really sad seeing him, you know, not feel well and kind of be, you know, lazy around the house. And so the thought of, you know, not giving him antibiotics or not treating him with that because I didn't agree with it just, you know, would break my heart. So I think sometimes, you know, we don't always equate companion animals to animal agriculture and that makes sense. But I think really, if you're looking at any type of birds or cattle or hogs or anything like that, you know, when they're not feeling well, they really sometimes do need that help. Yeah. It's also an interesting thought that, you know, the idea of you can give the animal antibiotics and then just not sell, like if you're treating it for something and then just not sell that meat, right? Like like that idea that you could just take it out of the, the system rather that I think people probably don't think about that, that choice. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's what most, you know, that's what we talk about in our standards is that even if a company says they're, you know, a hundred percent antibiotic free, you know, if they have a flock that gets sick and really needs medication for them to be better, that's totally fine. And we need to treat those animals. But then obviously the meat later on down the line, once their system is, you know, flushed and everything's healthy, um, then they obviously just can't be marketed as no antibiotics ever, because at some point during their life, they did get those antibiotics. So um, I think that's, you know, an important distinction and that meat can still be sold and it's still safe for consumption. It just can't be labeled, uh, you know, with that, that seal for that program. Yeah. And it's super relevant to our conversation because, uh, Springer Mountain is no antibiotics ever. Mm-hmm. They're meat, but they are American humane certified. Yep. So, um, yeah. So another question you said you get a lot is, whether you certify a particular type of production. Um, can you unpack that a little bit? Like, do you, do you think people are wondering if all American Humane certified farms look the same or use the same methods? Sure. Yeah. And I think this comes up a little bit more in our laying hen standards because we have about uh, three different types of laying hen standards that we certify. Um, but every producer has a different type of production. Um you know, some farms are a little bit larger and they may have multiple houses on one farm location. Some may be smaller and it may just be, you know, one house for a smaller grower. So everything does look, you know, a little bit different from company to company or farmer to farmer. But I think it's really important that we designed our animal welfare audit tools to really be scalable. So they work for somebody that has one house of chickens to somebody or a company who works with thousands of smaller family farmers. Um, And so it's a really scalable audit tool and that it can work for all different types of production. And I would say definitely no two farms look the same. They may be set up similarly in the way their house is designed or uh, definitely the way they care for their animals. But um, we work with a, a variety of sizes and production styles and You know, some people's birds go outside in different, um, you know, kind of methods of production. We have laying hens that are outside within our free range and pasture raised tool. And we have size requirements for how much space those birds need when they go outside. So different production styles do look a little bit different. um, But as long as they're meeting our animal welfare audit tools and we're comfortable that those animals are being cared for to the specifications that we've identified 
then we feel comfortable that they're being raised humanely and uh, and can be referred to that way. But it's it's a whole different gamut of different farms and different production styles. We just want to make sure that they're following our guidelines and, and that everybody's meeting those things if they want to be a certified producer. Right. What about if other... Uh, if farms have other certifications like that aren't necessarily totally animal welfare based, say like USDA certified organic or non-GMO, um, can can they get both? Can you also be um, American Humane certified? Sure. Yeah. So we don't accept any other audit tools in place of our own. So if a producer had a different certification, we wouldn't accept that in place of our own, but we have many producers that, you know, do non or do GMO free or non-GMO, um, organic, and even, you know, some that do other certification programs, uh, even beyond that, if it's vegetarian fed or different things like that. Um, so definitely producers are, are free to use, you know, whatever programs they think will help their company and, and really, identify and call out the work they're doing on their farms and the product that they're uh, producing. So we do have a lot that that do our program as well as some other programs that you might see on a consumer package. Um, and that's totally fine. Again, as long as they meet our guidelines and are following you know, what we're identifying, and I think our audit tool falls in place with most of those programs. So there's not a lot of conflicting or really any conflicting questions between some of those other certification programs and ours as far as, you know, maybe organic or non-GMO. So it it definitely is something that helps producers and they feel like they can market um, to a couple different, you know, consumer areas that, you know, of interest or that consumers are really curious about. But as long as they're following our guidelines, we're totally fine. But there's there wouldn't be anything where we would accept a standard in place of our own. Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I know Springer, Springer Mountain is, uh, has a, a line of chicken that is non-GMO verified. So they, they must have both on, the, on that line. They do, yep. So we've gone through a lot. Did, did we miss anything, Connor? Are there any other big questions that we didn't cover? I think those are definitely the, the big ones. And, you know, just something for consumers to think about, too, is, you know, like I mentioned a little bit before, you know, I think people are really kind of detached from agriculture, both animal agriculture and crop production now. And, you know, there's so many resources um, to sort of learn a little bit more about uh, farmers and ranchers and what they do. And um, I believe Springer Mountain Farms has a video or two that they've put together a little bit about their production, but you could really, you know, Google just learning about farmers and what they do and how they really care about their animals and they care about their land. And I think that's a really important thing. We talked about sort of the misconceptions and how it's sort of hard for consumers to understand different types of productions. And I don't blame them at all. I work in this industry and I still get questions every day of, you know, photos from the farm and does this look okay? Or, you know, what do you think about this that I built so my chickens can perch up on this two by four? Um, So we're getting that all the time. And, you know, I work in this industry and it's even still very, very diverse and very interesting. So I think as much as consumers can learn and, you know, we can help educate them on animal agriculture and how important it, you know, we're animal agriculture and agriculture in general is really feeding the world. And um, I think it's a really respectable industry and, you know, just not maybe uh, always the hot topic. So people aren't always learning about it, but 
it's really amazing. And I'm, I'm sure you've had these experiences talking with, you know, producers and farmers and ranchers as well, but it's truly amazing what they're able to do every day. Yeah. And truly essential. Yep. <laughs> food production. It, it's kind of crazy that we don't talk about food production more considering it's the, you know, eating is really the one thing that we all share, right? <laughs> the need for food. Um, so. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Um, Connor, thank you so much for sharing all of your insights. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. I appreciate it. And thank you all for listening to the fifth episode of Behind the Label with American Humane. Stay tuned for the sixth and final episode soon, where we wrap up the series. We hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. This program is powered by Simplecast.